lowering rates, excessive discounting, challenging negotiations. Welcome to the Sales Readiness Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Sales Readiness Group. We're an industry-leading sales training company that helps businesses develop highly effective sales organizations. This podcast is about one question, how to transform your team into big performers. If you want the answer, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. Yeah, well, I think the timing is really good uh, to, to be having this conversation. I know a lot of the SKO motion is in place. You know, we're getting the events scheduled. We're getting things teed up. Uh, but today, I, I really appreciate our focusing in and, and diving in a little bit more detail on, you know, kind of what happens before, during, and after, maybe most importantly, with an SKO. And it's an area that maybe gets missed uh, when we're thinking about logistics and happy hour and uh, entertainment and all those other factors that need to come into play. So um, let's dive into it. And Sam, by way of an agenda, we'll keep this pretty high level, but want to spend a little bit of time, you know, just talking about why is an SKO important? You know, maybe uh, more so now than ever, you know, heading into 2024, what are we seeing? I'll share a little bit of research that that SBI has done around, uh, you know, what we're looking at heading into next year. And then with that as a backdrop, um, introduce this concept of the blended experience and why we think that's a great way to think about SKO and how we can maximize that. And then, Sam, I'm really looking forward to having you share, you know, some examples and case studies about how this S, uh, blended SKO can work and some of the the benefits that that come out of that. So I guess any any other thoughts on the agenda um, or or high points you want to cover before we jump in here? I mean, just you know, in in our preparatory conversations, Ray, just a reflection that you know we we did a we ran a similar webinar a few years ago, and the circumstances were very different. And we were in the middle of COVID, and it was it was you know you got to align your sales team and. And uh, you know, get everybody pointed to true north. But how are you going to do that when everybody's at home? And today, that's not the reality. Um, and, but but we're we're in a different situation. So uh, just just thinking about, I've just been reflecting on context and and how um, how that how that affects how that affects design. But but still, some of the same uh, tried and true approaches to design make sense. But it's really important to adapt to the context that we're in. Absolutely, and I know we're seeing a trend. I mean. Certainly people desire to get back in in person, um, but maybe they're shortening it a little bit, condensing it, or what we know, and, and I think we learned a lot during COVID, right, of, well, we can do some things really effectively virtually, but not everything, but we need to use that time where we on, are on site, if we're in, in person, uh, very wisely, because that time is at a premium. And so I think we're seeing that blend where, oh, let's make sure we focus it in on a couple of activities or maybe we're not having one every year. So when we do get together, it's even more important. Um, so we'll talk about that and some of the trade-offs, um, you know, the, the different ways to deliver. But I wanted to start just by sharing a little bit of research uh, that SBI has done. And just by way of background, for those of you who have been following SRG for a while, uh, in July, we became part of, of SBI, so uh, SBI growth. And with that, uh, have access to the consulting and research that SBI provides, as well as the advisory services. And it's really allowed us to link our training to the specific trends and research that's coming out uh, you know, every quarter as we're looking at this. So I wanted to just share a couple of areas. One was a CEO assessment, and this was last uh, updated the end of Q2, and the, we'll have additional information uh, we're updating at Q3 and Q4. Um, and what this, this first chart looked at was in terms of demand indicators, you know, do we see, and this was for, from CEOs, do we see the economy slowing? Is it consistent? Is it accelerating? And if you look at the dark uh, bar, that was in Q2 of 2022. So if we look at that, you know, going back a, a year and a half, uh, pretty strong confidence that things were accelerating. And if we remember back that far, we we're, you know, still coming out of uh, COVID and things were growing. There was a lot of optimism. And if you look at that compared to the light blue, which is uh, Q1 of 2023, um, you know, the percentage of the, the think things are accelerating is actually uh, quite a bit less, down to 27%. Or, you know, maybe things are going to stay the same or a very a, a higher percentage 
think that you know maybe things are slowing and and I think we've continued to to see that one of the overarching themes I'm hearing is what we do know is there's uncertainty so so there's a lot of uncertainty going into next year and I think the other thing when we look at strategic focus on are we really preparing for a recession or are we preparing for recovery how are we spending our dollars uh is you know a pretty strong focus in the middle so we're not really sure and a, a smaller percentage that's saying yes we're gung ho but more than uh you know almost 60% are saying well we're kind of in the middle of focusing on recession readiness or recovery readiness to me what that says is there is just some reluctance and that means our clients are reluctant to spend money we're not really sure what to do why are we covering this well we want to talk about why we need to leverage the SKO as a way of getting ahead of this, right? And following these trends. I guess, Sam, is this consistent with kind of what you're hearing from your clients and and you're seeing in the industry? Yeah, it sure is, Ray. It's spot on. I mean, uh, you know, a number of different anecdotes line up to this. Uh, I, we've we've lost count of the number of uh, customers and partners that are reorganizing um, that have had some you know targeted layoffs. Uh, we hear consistently uh, pipelines are growing, but decisions are stalling and delaying. Um, so yeah, this really does does fit with what uh, with what what we've been seeing from our uh, corner of the world. Yeah, well, I don't want to spend too much time and happy to have a follow up or share the research if if people are interested. But the other thing coming out of this is we think about seller productivity, and again, we're talking specifically about sales kickoff and and sales teams here is, you know, there is this challenge with selling these days. So when we looked across a number of organizations, uh, deal size seems to be flat or shrinking. So more than two thirds of, of the respondents said, yep, you know, they're, they're about the same or they're actually getting smaller. Um, deal velocity, and this is very consistent and you just hit on it, Sam, it's flat or slowing. So um, guess what, sales teams? It really is harder and taking longer to close deals. It doesn't just feel that way, um, but that's what you know the the data is telling us across multiple different clients. And when we think about uh, seller productivity, you know we want to be doing more with less. That was a big mantra over the last couple of years. But I think what we're seeing is, at least from a CEO perspective, they're seeing no change, or you know maybe even productivity has gone down. Um, and especially, you know, we onboarded a ton of new people. Maybe they didn't get the training and onboarding they needed. For a while, they were taking orders and things were busy. And now they have to actually sell and they have to go prospect uh, at, at higher levels. And so it can become more challenging. And I think, you know, that's, again, why we need to make sure we get ahead of that when we're talking at the SKO about what we do going into that. Um, yeah, so Suzanne asked about uh, using this data as a takeaway, uh, and again, we're happy to share, and Alonzo, we can follow up um, to share that going forward. Um, yeah, and Bob Bob asked about speed of marketplace sales um, where reps are not involved, and, and this was B2B transactions and didn't specifically break that out, um, so it is an interesting question. Uh, and whether that's you know the same growing or shrinking, um, I'm not sure, and I'm sure Bob has an opinion. But um, uh, you know, let's continue on. I, the reason we wanted to cover this is just the backdrop that yes, in fact, things have gotten more challenging. And when we think about on the left hand side, our sellers, right? They have more information, they have more options. There are in fact more people involved, and we know that kind of increases every year. But especially now, more likely to have a CFO involved more likely to have a buying committee with multiple stakeholders, making that even more challenging. And we need to personalize our messages to all of them. On the right-hand side, we know that there's greater scrutiny on the margin, on the deal you know, size and pricing, on the go-to-market complexity. And as I was mentioning, kind of this resignation hangover, I don't know um, how else to term it, but you know that we're kind of recovering from that where a lot of people moved and, and came on board and now we're really trying to get them up to speed and productive at a level. So in the middle is this idea that, yeah, the customers are risk adverse. Uh, they're slower to make decisions, especially large purchases. And there's even purchase regret. So it's harder to activate that once you get the commitment. But then it's like, well, but we're not ready or we don't have time or uh, the bandwidth. So, um, again, you know, Sam, I know we chatted about this as well, but 
How do you see this affecting you know some of your clients and and some of the decisions they're making? Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a you know doing more with less. It's a um, hey, we're gonna pause on these um, these these strategies or these purchase decisions and optimize you know what we have uh sometimes we're hearing that you know in, in uh among among uh among customers but i think ultimately it's that margin focus it's that focus on productivity it's that focus on efficiency is just you know is is just being driven by cfo ceo of, of of most organizations and is is showing up in in the uh in the sales cycle uh for sure yeah and i think what that tells me is our sales teams need to be even better Right. I mean, yeah. we do need to align with the way our customers buy. We yeah. need to be more prepared. We need to leverage all the resources we have uh, because things, in fact, have gotten more challenging. And the days of, you know, taking orders or or booking big, big deals and hitting your quota halfway through the year, you know, may, may, maybe that's behind us for a little while. So uh, or if that even was the case. So um, I'd love to get some input from the group here. And just as we're going to transition and start talking about SKOs. Um, this is always interesting to hear, and I'm sure the answer is, well, it's multiple, but I'd love to have people capture in the chat, you know, what's your goal for your next sales kickoff? What's the overarching priority? What are you trying to accomplish uh, as you're putting together the agenda for your SKO? And if you could just go ahead and chat in, love to hear, you know, just at a high level what people are thinking, uh, and we can see what the group has to see here, uh, Sam has to say. Yeah, look, looking forward to hearing what uh, what perspectives are are out there um, with uh, this this coming year. Yeah, I mean, I'll see, and and it'll be interesting to see if if we get uh, similar thoughts from the group. But you know, the idea of productivity, and we went from maybe a do more with less for a period of time. It's like, hey, we are going to cut budgets, or at least we're going to limit budgets, but we need everybody to lean in and do more. And you know, maybe we've gotten the the extra expense out right we've driven that out now we need to do more we can't necessarily spend less but we need to get more productivity out of those that we have and we need to invest for growth going forward because we can't afford to have another couple years of uh you know down or or flat growth so we're we're seeing some options here or some thoughts um so Stefani mentioned new messaging, you know, new product alignment. Um, Terry, I love the comment, you know, first time remote since COVID. So a chance for camaraderie to celebrate the wins and learning. And I think that, you know, again, when we think about the best use of being in person is we need to have those connections and we really need to create that culture as part of that. Um, Tracy mentioned pumping them up and providing them with some tactics to uncover the why act now and why us, which I love. So how do we get yeah. our sales teams to help the customers make that decision as well? What do you what else are you seeing here, Sam? Well, I love that that comment from Tracy because it it really is that activation in the current environment, which is so critical. Um it's 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 talking to customers about why they should move, why they should, you know, have have the courage or the business case to take back to their organization to say, yeah, it, it really is time to move. We need to do this. We need to make this this investment. Um so that's, I think that really captures our zeitgeist right now. The other one too is uh, Suzanne just said in two letters, AI. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Man, oh man, <laughs> omnipresent everywhere. Uh, so that's, that's a, that can mean so many uh, applications of different industries, but that is a massive theme right now uh, in every industry. Yeah. And how do we, how do we enable the team to take advantage of it without doing damage or doing harm? Uh, but really in, in, you know, as I've looked at that, it's how do we use it to make better reps, right? Better better sales professionals. How do we use it to improve the profession, not just automate or speed things up or create more spam? Uh, you know, nobody needs that. But how do we use it to make better sales conversations and and improve the sales process? So I uh, love that. You know, Sarah says she's working on new sales methodologies. Um, you know, I think all of these things uh, are are really valuable and they really feed into kind of our next thought, which is. Well, how do we pull this together and use that time? And even I think Suzanne also mentioned role plays and practice. So using that time for a capstone or an exercise where we can get feedback from our peers versus being lectured to for eight hours, right? Which, um, 
no salespeople ever, uh, you know, prioritized or, or said that that's what they wanted. So, um, yeah, that's great. Any, any other takeaways before we move on here, Sam? No, I just like how I mean, so so many great great thoughts here that uh, that uh, the, the group has, has generated. Um, love love what Bob says here, kind of summarizing the the true value of the in person, you know, the the culture, the team building, the uh, cross organizational interactions. It's a, that's a great a great one to 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 uh, cap cap out on. Yeah, because that that's really hard to do virtually. You know, there's some great things we can do in, in a collaborative platform, but. There's nothing like being there and working together and rolling our sleeves up. So, you know, we've captured some of these over the years, but the idea of igniting, uh, you know, to be a driven, unified team, kind of getting everybody together, getting that team cohesion, as many people uh, mentioned, you know, working together, um, you know, launching new sales tactics, clarifying and sharing the vision and making sure that's trickling down uh, or new key initiatives. And I think, you know, the the group hit on all of this, not surprising. Um but I think the question we want to ask is, well, then how are you going to measure that? You know, how do you really measure whether your SKO is successful? And if we're kind of getting a return on the investment, you know, maybe it's not literally, but at least are we getting the the type of outcomes that we're looking for? So let's uh, take one more chat from the group here, and then we'll get into some samples. But I'd uh, love to understand how are people measuring? You know, is it just satisfaction levels? Smile sheets, you know, uh, degree of networking, or how good the the, the awards party was. Um, you know, how are you measuring the success? Yeah, and Alonzo just chatted that in, so it kind of break this up. Um, I think Terry already responded, uh, doing a net promoter uh, survey. Um, but what are other people using to really see if uh, if it's a win or not? Learning validation, great. Yeah, I love Tracy's comment, you know, that sales leaders, you know, thinking about certification, so are they completing something, but that's also just a, a means to an end, right? Um, are we getting a revenue increase? Ultimately, are we getting that bump that we're looking for? Yeah, that's great. feedback, quotes, activities, and more sales. Yeah, so you know, having the, the, those benchmarks, I think is important. Um, Bob mentions that's $100,000. Bob, I'd say it's probably more like a million dollar question, right? Um, it's written off as cost of sales, um, but what does that really mean? And I think you know, when we're talking about, well, if we're, are we trying to learn? Are we trying to network? Are we trying to launch a new program? What is it that we're gonna measure? and over what period of time? Because doing a smile sheet on Friday at the end of a week-long SKO is one, it's only a temporary measure and it really doesn't say what we're getting out of it. And what we wanna talk about is well, what happens over the next three months and the rest of the year and how do we pull that through? So as Sarah mentioned, the post SKO work here uh, is absolutely critical and that's what we're gonna get into next. All right, so let's, I uh, appreciate the audience, really active and uh, appreciate all the comments coming in. Um, you know, so we're thinking about, did the SKO build camaraderie? Um, if we're pushing information or building skills, you know, are they able to apply it? And so I'd love that, you know, are there real examples we can point to? Maybe we have them do a capstone or a role play, or maybe they have to submit it in a platform. You know, is there a way that we can see that they're applying those skills so they don't go away and, you know, Put the new playbook on the shelf and never think about it again. Um, did you sustain the learning? So is there reinforcement and coaching built in and, and did it improve productivity? And you spent a lot of dollars, you know, people had fun, um, but what impact did you really do uh, or really have? And, and that's really the question we're trying to get to here. Okay, so let's continue on. And Sam, I'm going to let you drive here for a little bit. Well, I'll drive the slides, but um, let you speak to you know some of the different types of ways you can structure an SKO, and you know specifically some emerging and and really novel ways that I think you can blend this together. Um, can you talk us through? You know, we've got in person, we've got other different models, but and talk us through what in person looks like, and then as we think about um, you know what are some of the limitations and what else can we do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ray. Um, 
So, you know, the, the, the group here has already hit on some of the great things that uh, an in-person SKO or really any you know sales event or learning event is, is good for. It's, it's great for getting that alignment uh, between the team and the company strategy. It's great for inspiration. There's really nothing quite like having the CEO or the chief revenue officer or a product leader get up on stage and, and, and tell the stories, uh, explain, um, you know, how the, the differentiation, why to activate, why now, like, like, um, like was, was said in the chat. Um, it's that, it's that inspiration and, and motivation. Um, and then finally, probably the, the biggest one that comes to mind is, is the, is the building the relationships between colleagues that are going to enable uh, effective effective teamwork, and that teamwork is going to be so necessary for results. So those are the kinds of things that uh, that uh, these in person events are really great for. But on the next slide, um, you know, there's some there's some things that uh, it's not so great for. Um, we all know uh, that pushing strategy information, pushing content, uh, Ray, as you said, spending hours and hours on stage. Um, is not the same as a, as enabling your team to execute the strategy. And you know, let's be honest, mega mega events aren't optimal learning experiences. There, there's a number of challenges here. I mean, one we see consistently across uh, across our clients is there is this uh, built-in temptation when you bring it together a large audience, large sales audience, to overschedule and overload. Every product manager wants their time on the stage. Every marketer wants their time on stage. And you are just diluting the overall effect. In fact, it gets worse the, the more content that's put out there. Um, so that's one big challenge. Uh, another is, as we said, lectures aren't learning. There's there's a limited opportunity to practice, build, and apply skills um, in in the traditional sage on a stage um, approach. And then the final piece is. Uh, people don't learn through a one-day, two-day, in-classroom kind of experience. People learn over time. The brain research has been is 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 done. It's we understand people need that kind of scaffolding to understand concepts to apply them to their work. Uh, they 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 need reinforcement over time. They need to get back on the job and apply it in the flow of work. We know how that, that we know how learning works. It's not you, you can't get it done in the big uh, the big mega event. And finally, it's they're, they're expensive and not scalable. Um, there's your time. There's the executive time. There's the field time, uh, the, the, the opportunity cost of the of people out of the field. And there's, of course, all that direct expense. So if you're going to make that investment, you want to make get the most out of it. Um, and so, uh, so, so that's that's really the the opportunity. We'll, we'll flip 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 limitations to to opportunity, um, and talk about that. So, yeah, what if, and and Sam, just before we do that, I'll yeah, mention yeah. on the you know kind of traditional. Hey, we're going to do some some training as part of this. Um, you know, that's one where we often have to say no uh, to that request because if it's oh we've got two days of programming and other events and then we're going to tack two days of training on the end. Yeah. Like, you know, sorry, I, I don't think we're in the best position uh, to, to be successful there or to help you be successful. However, if we can flip that and do some work in advance and use that time for what it's precious and what it what it's good, a good use for, uh, as several people said, small group sessions, a capstone, a role play, you know, a hands on application. Fantastic. But trying to lecture for two days, you know, after they've already been together uh, and not that all training is lecture, but um, yeah, I think we really need to rethink that. And um, so this idea of a blended approach, I think, is really intriguing. Can you walk us through this? Yeah, sure. And this is just a simple way to think about it. There's uh, many ways you could execute this, but it's the classic, you know, flip the classroom. Uh, imagine that uh, that the, the event is uh, the, use the model of a classroom. It, you can prepare this audience in advance to get the most out of it. You can uh, welcome them. You can set expectations from senior leaders uh, digitally. Uh, you can you can build some excitement by connecting peers with one another. Dare, dare we say, have a little bit of fun, you know, with with people. And you can tee up the pre preparatory work. So you take that load off of that overscheduling problem um, and maximize, get the most out of what's really valuable and unique of that in person. So then, when people come together in person. You you can you can you can get that that face to face value, but you can also extend that digitally. You can have opportunities to have learners and, and sellers reflect on live sessions. 
you can amplify that in-person networking experience through digital networking. And you have the opportunity to, to practice skills, start practicing skills that you can continue to practice back on the job when you integrate um, your these, these this, this learning experience post-event, uh, building skills over time and continuing that engagement with peers and learners and that collaboration over time. So there's just this digital thread that amplifies the value of the experience. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and we have a lot of learning and development and sales enablement professionals uh, in our audience today, as well as, as sales leaders. And you know, I think everyone who would nod in and go, well, yeah, we kind of knew, you know, we should, we should have communications beforehand, or we should have some follow-up. I think the challenge is there's just such an overwhelming, overwhelming amount of information, especially at the beginning of the year that we're pushing out. And then afterwards, everybody's burned out. They're going back to their book of business. You know, they've got to catch up and they kind of forget about it. And so, as you mentioned, that digital thread, unless there's a way to kind of practice, make that practical and, and implement that, I think it often gets lost. And for me, the light bulb really went on when we can say, wait, now we can track it. And there are lots of different platforms or ways you can do that. But we'll we'll walk through an example here. Uh, that allow you to see if people are engaged and if they're doing the work. And especially when you attach a badge to it and start thinking about digital credentials, now there's a way of seeing what what percentage actually completed it. And yeah. so I, I think salespeople are really competitive and it's something we've learned, you know, working with Intrepid and, and working with the collaborative platform over the years is they'll lean in on it if they know that there's a leaderboard and there's some recognition and it's a chance to compete with their peers so let's use that framework, right, as we we put this together. So let's jump into that. Um, I'd love to have you share, you know, some of the the things you've seen, and maybe just walk us through some of those components as we're, uh, you know, going through different examples here. Yeah. So so we just put together a little scenario here, and and this is uh, you're going to imagine yourself as as the learner, um, as 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 a salesperson, uh, Susie or Steve Seller. Um, so imagine you're an attendee at your upcoming, your company's upcoming uh, SKO. We're going to call it Ignite 2024, and you've been welcomed to this. You've you've gotten a, a link through your through email, uh, uh, introducing you to this and inviting you to this. And you come in, click on the link, and you see you know this this uh, compelling homepage, simple, easy to navigate, reflecting your com- your company's uh, logos and, and branding and and so on. And and it's it's capturing your interest. Uh, you see a leaderboard. You see event schedule. You go ahead and click on the event schedule, and we'll go to the next page here. And it it entered. It brings you to a page that is going to allow you to prepare for this SKO before you even before you even get there. You know, let's let's imagine that this is a few weeks out. You click on a, an inspiring video from your chief revenue officer. You see a few product experts that are introduced, and and you start to peruse the schedule. And you're like, wow, this has been really thoughtfully curated. They are not going to overload me. They're giving me just enough. They're really been thoughtful about, about the message here. And wow, what's this down here? I can uh, introduce myself. What is that? So let's take a click at that. Let's take a look at the next page. And you have a, a fun little assignment to just uh, introduce yourself to, to your fellow uh, attendees at the event, to tell them about yourself, what project you're working on, have a little fun, upload a picture. So you start to kind of have some have some playfulness and fun and connecting with with your peers as well. It could be more serious. You could have something around what your uh, the kinds of challenges you're facing and so on. So then let's go. Let's fast forward to the to the event on the next page. Yep. And and just before we do that, you know, yeah. I think and we 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 leverage this in our collaborative training as well, but. You know, you kind of think about, oh, you know, another chance to introduce yourself. But the idea of creating a, a real cohort and a connection, uh, especially for the event, I think is really valuable. And oftentimes we're training teams globally where they've never met each other. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I have they have the same challenges and and there are other issues that I should be talking about and I should go reach out to this person and, and connect with them or you know, I love it then when it's like, oh, let's meet up when we're on site because I want to talk to you about, and that's why they can share something personal or a hobby or something. Um, so, you know, maybe there are other HR systems that do that, but this is very specific to, you know, in this case, the sales team and to that SKO. Uh, so that I think that's a, a very valuable use case. 
Yeah, thanks, Ray. So, so you've got that, that pre pre event, and then you know you you fly in um, to to the event. Let's say that uh, you know you were you got a great night's rest before day one, and you know you wake up, come to breakfast, open up your your tablet, and you see everything you need to see for 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 day one. Um, and day one happens to be in this case a keynote from the CEO talking about selling uh, success in lean times. Really, an inspirational message. And, and immediately you have opportunities in a discussion to reflect on what your CEO has said. What does this mean for, for your accounts, your territory, your team? And right away, step one on building your personal selling plan. So we're going to make this super practical. This isn't theoretical. This isn't stage on the stage. It's like, let's take step one to put putting your, your plan uh, together. Yep. And Sam, I'd, I'd like to just you know make a comment and, and clarify because there was a question about, you know, what technology is this? And, you know, there are lots of different ways that you can obviously run your SKO. The caveat I'd make is we're not suggesting, you know, or or selling an SKO software package, right? Or there's a lot that could do your online registration and it does all of the rest of the event here. What we're talking about here is the collaborative experience around those outcomes that we're trying to influence. Um, so these particular screenshots are from Intrepid, so uh, Sam's company, but just as an example of how you can pull this together and you might leverage it, you know, using Intrepid, there may be other, you know, other platforms that you may want to use. But I will say again, this is separate from, oh, this is a SKO package uh, that that we're promoting or that, you know, people have on their phones that they may be using. Yeah. For, so, so great question, Suzanne. This is this is our platform, and and really, this is um, any blended learning experience. You know, right. uh, it can can be designed this way. And I I just you know really worked on kind of making this relevant for the SKO uh, use case. Yeah. Um, right. So you know the the peer to peer interactions. You know, lots of opportunity to you know again you're gonna have that live interaction at your table in the you know getting the coffee and so on. But this gives you that other uh, other uh, lens, that other other ability to to connect. Um, to to have these these threaded discussions on could be on topics on affinity groups on role on uh, sessions you know what have you so a lot of power with that to amplify uh, the experience so then you know you wrap up you get on the plane like like Ray said you come back I think he said this earlier you've got this you know mountain of emails and slacks you're trying to get through back on the job and you're like wow okay that was good but. I'm paying the price now. So you click back in to, to your site, your Ignite site, and you see that, oh my gosh, like, you know, this has been really, again, thoughtfully curated. All the content that I need to refer to from the sessions is right there. And there's this ability to continue that building that sales plan, maybe framed as a challenge, um, that helps you connect it directly to your work. And we talk a lot about in the flow of work. That's what this is. It's helping you build that plan um, actually uh, tied to your customers um, and, and, and your sales plans that you need, you need to you need to develop. And this yeah. extends the learning experience over time, which, again, you know, that that's what's missing when we do these events. We somehow magically think that we're going to kind of microwave uh, skills with people by bringing them together for a couple of days. And that's really not how it works. So we want to continue continue this learning experience over time. Yeah, and and to be able to have some data and metrics around that utilization, because again, they're they're doing it in the platform, I think is so valuable. Because you know the number of sales leaders that have come back and said, "Well, wait a minute, I'm not sure if they're using this tool, or I'm not sure if they're actually putting the playbook into practice." And if we create you know an activity, a mission, if you will, uh, to have them do that, now we literally can come back and say, "Well, you know what? 80% of the people completed this successfully." Uh, you know, in in 90 days after the session or whatever that's looking, and is it making a difference, right? So we can start to actually correlate uh, the sales results accordingly. But yeah, do you want to talk about some of that real life uh, skill application, Sam? Yeah, you bet, uh, Ray. So this is just a one example of you know that idea of, of building your sales plan uh, over time, you know, through through different activities. This is an actual example from uh, from Microsoft. Uh, they did a program called Business Strategy and Financial Acumen, and the whole idea here is they were trying to upskill the the, the sellers uh, to be able to sell cloud solutions to business buyers uh, versus you know sell, selling to uh, technical buyers only. 
Um, and so this is midway through the program, um, and it's they happen to be studying value chains, understanding the value chains of their customers. And the reason they're doing that is so that they uh, can prescribe and recommend particular Microsoft solutions uh, to the customer based on their understanding of the way the value chain uh, works. So this this particular customer had a retail value chain. In the assignment, after they've you know gone through the, the lectures and 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 uh, listened to the experts, is to to map the value chain of your customer. So they this there's nothing like this in terms of application. Like I understand customer X, how their value chain works, and based on that, I will make these following recommendations uh, of, of what solutions to recommend. So again, that 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 ruthless relevance, uh, detailed application, skill building. Um, through practice, um, and then the opportunity to see what some of your other colleagues have done and go in, take a look, comment, like, or even connect with them offline. Um, again, that collaboration is built into this as well. Yeah, and and I think it it really helps them. One, they get to see our others work, right? They can go in and depending on the security you've allowed, you know, they can see everyone's assignments or within their their particular pod. Um, the other thing that that we found to be very effective is curating some of those examples. So when we do our application review and coaching sessions, and this is in all of our training programs when we're using uh, the collaborative platform, is then we have a moderator who's pulling out some of those examples and say, well, let's look at Sam's example here. Um, you know, what do you like about it and and what can we do? And we're not calling, you know, attention to, to bad examples necessarily, but we're highlighting those and giving them some visibility. And also people know, oh, People are going to look at my work, so you know I probably should pay attention to it if I'm submitting this in front of my peers, so to speak. So anyway, I think for the idea, and we're working with several companies where we're either doing the training in advance, and then they're coming to SKO and they're going to present or they're going to do a capstone, and then we follow up. You know, that's a way to pull it through. Or in cases where we're kicking off at the SKO and we're activating a new playbook or a new sales process, and then we're going to use the platform is a way of having them apply that to real life examples uh, so that we can see that they actually know how to do it and that they're doing the work, so to speak. Uh, so I think it's a great way to see, you know, if if they're actually applying the concepts. Yeah. And we get back to metrics too, Ray. This is interesting too, is, is the way that um, in that particular uh, program, the way that sales leadership was at Microsoft was identifying impact and the metrics was account plans created because they knew account plans through through their exhaustive study was a uh, a leading indicator of sales success. So that that was the metric that they were interested in. So applied learning uh, through and and uh, through um, was was really what they were looking for. Yeah. Um, so hey, look to keep things fun, track progress. What salesperson doesn't like a little friendly competition? Um, so a leaderboard to track your points and badges is a great great way to go. So you know post event. You could check, you, you come back, you check in to see where you stand on the leaderboard. You see how you're stacking up in your, against your against your cohort, uh, what points you've, you've gathered, what badges you've earned along the way, and what remains to be done uh, to, to finalize and, and get your, your final uh, badges and points. And this might give you that extra nudge to uh, complete, complete your work. So uh, when we do weekly training sessions, I'd say whether SKO related or not, uh, we highlight this every week and and celebrate the winners. And we've had clients that are you know doing separate spiffs or contests or things. But but just the visibility. And I will say the most successful blended programs we've had using this approach is where the sales leaders are leaning in. And we've had examples where they're sending out the summary email every week and saying, "Hey, let's congratulate Vivian for knocking it out of the park and you know being at the top of the leaderboard in in this example." Um, so I think that's really effective as well to kind of get that sponsorship and get the recognition um, as they go through and encouraging others. Hey, there's still time to catch up. Right. But, uh, you know, and and in this case, it's, you know, every video, every mission, every assignment, uh, if they're collaborating with others in the platform. So they're getting different point values uh, for multiple different things that may be related to the program. Yeah. So hopefully this scenario has, you know, given you some ideas about how a blended SKO can offer some some really clear uh, upside. And we'll just touch on a couple of these. But you know, big concept is around around the social. It provides 
not an alternative to, but another dimension for, for collaboration in addition to the face-to-face the collaboration over time and also some really directed collaboration uh, tied to key concepts or content discussions about you know, gener- gen- using Gen AI for, for selling, a discussion about uh, selling uh, in difficult times and so on. Um, second concept, really key concept, learning over time, before, during, and after the event. Learning is a continuous process. Learning happens over time. That's how we build skills back on the job. So that's a really critical uh, concept. Um, applying it to your real accounts, applying it directly to your work, advancing real work through learning, not making those two separate things, but one thing. And then continuous experience year round and sustaining that momentum um, and impact is uh, is super critical. So the way I think about this is if you're making this big investment of your time, your executive's time, the field's time, all the direct expense of, of the live learning, it's a small lift to think about how do you add that the blended component to add like significant value beyond the 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 one two three day live event? Um, you're you're really extending and amplifying and uh, uh, in- increasing the value. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think people don't uh, maybe appreciate is that we can keep it alive year round. So often we lose momentum and sometimes there's an activity like, oh, you've got to submit it, et cetera, but, um, you know, submit an assignment or something, but then we kind of forget about it versus having a way to go back and, you know, maybe we do a monthly uh, roundtable, right? Or a coaching session with the managers, um, but we can leverage and go back to the platform and say, okay, well, now we want you to update your account plan, or we want you to bring in another account to apply this to. So, uh, you know, I think there are lots of ways to keep it uh, live during, uh, during and throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one one uh, client that comes to mind, a major manufacturer, um, had a, a cohort of learners who would come together live a couple times a year, and this really became the community and the red thread that connected them between. So it was the it was the formal learning, but it really became kind of the 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 collaboration that powered the cohort and built the connections over time. So it's not just content. It's, uh, it's also this, this uh, connection of, of community. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you just summarize this as a case study? And I think we just have uh, a couple of recap slides and then we'll uh, spend some time on questions here, but you want to talk through kind of the situation uh, solution and the outcome here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just catching up with a, with a customer last week and in preparation for this webinar and, uh, and she she was a sales enablement leader uh, for a digital marketing software company, and they had completed a an acquisition uh, in the fall of a, a couple of years ago, and they needed an SKO to align the teams. You know, really the one bring one company together. Uh, this was also during COVID, so in their case, they really had to adopt a, a blended uh, strategy. So their SKO goals included unifying the business. Delivering a deeply engaging experience. You know, we were all talking Zoom fatigue and Zoom gloom back in back in the day, <laughs> um, and and also providing an opportunity for sales team to, the sales team to practice some new skills, and particularly around uh, pitches. You know, practicing pitching skills. So, what was the solution? They designed a three week uh, semi synchronous uh, experience, and all that means is that it's time released, time bound. Like uh, you're, you're, and it, it, it concluded both self-paced components like we saw on the, on the slides, as well as live synchronous sessions and the video-based uh, practice pitch assignments. Um, from what uh, uh, my, my client told me, uh, the learning experience was, and, and we heard over, over the last couple of years, very well received, especially the, um, that, that, placed the place for learning to be that one place for for the for the SKO and the the real world experience. And we didn't really get into it here, but uh, there's also the ability um, through the Trepid platform to support um, the video practice, video pitch. It's a it's a, it's a feature. Right. So that's that's a component that, that can be useful uh, during your use case. Um, and and I think the proof of the pudding was that they they ran this you know multiple years and and this the um, kind of like the Microsoft situation. Uh, they they saw the video practice as a leading indicator for future success. Uh, that so I think someone said earlier that validated skills. You know that's a great right. way to great way to validate skills. 
I asked um, uh, my customer, you know, what what lessons learned would, did she have from that? What would her advice be to to you, <laughs> knowing that I was going to have this conversation? And she said, "Look, focus on those specific skills you want the sellers to improve on. Um, let learners practice, you know, building real world skills. Really make sure you make room for practice. Consider segmenting the learner experience by role. And this is interesting too. This gets to what Ray was saying about cohorts." It also gets to something around scale, because I would guess maybe some of you are in organizations where um, you're feeling cost pressures and maybe you can't fly everyone into the SKO. You can't bring the sales engineers in. You can't bring the solution architects in. You can't bring marketing in. Well, if you if you have a, a, a virtual a digital solution as well, you could have a digital track for this as well, and you could still reach that in a, in a scalable fashion. Um, and then last but not least, and this was a learning, honestly, she said, yeah, we could have done a better job of this, was provide that continuous learning. Uh, it don't just make it about um, the event or even in her case, like the three week event. She wishes they would have continued it uh, beyond that. So just a couple of, you know, uh, real, real, a real world example and some reflections. No, and I think it's a great way to kind of pull that together. And, you know, we were getting some questions about, well, what do we mean blended and how does this work? And I think we're using blended kind of in a general sense of, hey, there's a combination of asynchronous where they're doing some work on their own, or maybe they have to consume those videos, uh, do an assignment, but then we're bringing them together live. And that may be live virtual or live in person, some combination of those. And so I think that's where, um, you know, you can use that time wisely and you can also get a benefit from, hey, you're not taking them out of the field for 40 hours, but they can do uh, you know, some of that work on their own when when they have time. And so there there's a ability to scale that, I think, in a different capacity than having to have everybody in the room for the entire thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we just wanted to share and, and these are, I, I will say, quotes from just using a collaborative platform in general, uh, not specific to SKO, but I think uh, they highlight that this idea that they get a chance to learn from others, right? That comes up and again and again. Um, and that the activities have to do with customers you're working on so that, you know, in the flow of work or real life. So it's maybe you have a case study or a role play, but they're also doing it for a real live customer. And they feel like they're doing work that, you know, we've had numerous times they come back and say, hey, this helped me close the deal. Or we actually grow, grew our pipeline as a result of uh, this particular experience or this training we went through. So those are the kind that's the kind of feedback we're looking for. Um, talk about what worked and what didn't work. So, you know, sharing with each other, we have a very active discussion board when we run these. So and ask the expert and kind of ask the colleague so they can post a question about, well, wait, how are you using AI in, in this scenario? Or what do you do when you get an objection that has to do with X, Y, and Z? Um, so I think they they get a chance to have those questions answered, you know, kind of by their peers and in in real time. Um, and the, the leaders getting the leaders involved, um, and as this one example said, those who went through the program are now leaders. So they were able to upskill themselves, um, and they were able to take the feedback from others and use it in a, in the very next meeting. So use it to advance a deal, which makes sales people feel like, oh, wait, this was valuable. You know, if it helps them close business, um, that that's a win <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, these are some of the kind of feedback. I'm sure you've heard some of the similar themes and, and others as well. Sam, anything else you'd add to this? No, this is great. And and just love the verbatim from the learners. Um, you know, it's one thing to hear from the from the buyer, um, but there's nothing like, uh, you know, the, the, the what, what the learners have to say in, in validating uh, the power of the experience. Yeah. And Suzanne brought up a question about, you know, whether you're grouping by tenure, by role, um, and I think that's always challenging because people are coming from a very different place. And, and you know, unless you've done a full talent assessment, which is also a really valid approach, if you can do that and get an idea of where their skills are and, and work with their managers to develop an individual uh, training plan or a, an IDP development plan, um, you know, you don't know. But I think it's one of the reasons, and we've had many times where We've had the most senior sellers. One of our clients calls them global black belts, right? So we've had global black belts in the same program as more junior reps, but they're able to share their experiences and learn from each other. And if you empower those who are more senior to share those examples, now you're really getting that, that cross-pollination. So 
yeah. you know, lots of different ways we can think about that. Um, but I think that's a, a good way to blend the program as well. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, if, if you have that application and collaboration and connections, like you said, Ray, you're, you're allowing, um, you know, the, the more junior career folks to learn from the senior career, but you're still, you're still, um, challenging the, the more experienced folks too um to to apply to 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 their accounts um the alternative is i mean if you think of like asynchronous e-learning modules that are, are completely irrelevant to them mm. um that that's not a good solution <laughs> and i think that's where a lot of organizations are falling down right now is they'll do their skill assessment um and then they'll just point people to a library of content and it's like whoa you know um it's it's not it's not differentiated it's not personalized uh, for them so this when you have the opportunity to have real world assignments that's immediately personalized for every learner absolutely and yeah if they feel like they're working on on their own stuff and maybe they can share but you're right and typically salespeople don't have a long attention span for uh you know you give them four hours of e-learning to do um and uh, i will say your completion rates aren't going to be quite as uh desirable as you know some of what we've seen here um so just a few key key takeaways and then uh we'll turn it back over to alonzo and and see if there are other questions but you know we want to harness the sko and we said why well it's it's really important going into next year because there is uncertainty we need to continue to empower and improve the productivity of the sales team and to address some of those unique challenges like deals are more complex and more people are involved um, so we have to get behind that, and SKO is a great way to do that. But let's think about how we kickstart it beforehand, how we amplify it, you know, during the live event, and then how we pull that through afterwards and make it a continuous learning and a continuous uh, experience um, even afterwards, uh, so that we're getting that ongoing reinforcement and and training and and coaching. Uh, from the the manager team, anything else you you'd add to this as well, Sam? I mean, we covered a lot of ground here, but what else would you say? No, I think I think this 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 is really it. It just it just unlocks um, you know so much so much more value. And, and one of the things that you know you and I have talked about a lot, Ray, over the years is is making the highest best use of your experts, right? I mean, it, it it's going to be in that motivation, the inspiration. Uh, the connection with the team. Um, it's not in just deliver, delivering rote content. So there are other ways to do that. There are other ways to really um, make sure that you're you're focused on the highest, best use of, of people's time during the live event and uh, extending, you, you, making use of pre-work, making use of post-work, and then just extending and amplifying the content, the collaboration, and and, and the practice digitally there's just it just unlocks a whole a uh, whole another level of value um on top of you know some significant investments that any organization is going to make for make for a live event the market is changing making sales skills more important than ever before how to transform your team into big performers if you want the answer plus free resources for podcast listeners, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast.